it gets so cliche. It's to make my experience relatable to one individual. That's my purpose, right? I talk about bipolar as a gift. Like I help people daily and I'm going through a slight transition and change in my personal training career. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron and as always I am the host of the show. So today we are going to discuss changing the way we look at men's mental health and I'm so glad to welcome Dean onto today's episode and bearing in mind that it is Mental Health Awareness Week I am conscious that I wanted to release a few more episodes but my work doesn't stop here. My work will never stop on just a Mental Health Awareness Week. I really want to make an impact on a daily basis for as many people as possible to give people hope and Dean's story gives you hope because Dean is somebody who has battled with suicide. He has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, he was an army vet who came out with PTSD but he has an incredible spin and his own perspective on PTSD that we discuss in this episode and he's just somebody who openly shares his vulnerabilities and his stories and that's why I resonate with him but I also want to thank one of our listeners who actually put me in touch with Dean himself and it was through conversations back and forth with Dean that I thought this is definitely somebody who is perfect for the find your voice podcast so for that reason I truly hope you find this useful there is definitely some clever processes and systems that Dean uses in a three and a four step process that we can all start to implement today and take on to maybe help us move forward and find our voice in life so now without further ado let's get this interview on the way Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Um, it's a nice day. We're blessed. It was an easy gratification this morning when the uh, when the sun was shining. A bit of a vitamin D kit. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So I obviously have got to know you over the last few weeks, and I'm very, very grateful to have done that because you've taught me a lot as well, even in our last conversation. So I'm, I'm hoping we can get that into here. But just for anyone listening now who's not heard of you or followed your content on Instagram, for example. Give us a little bit of an insight into your story and why you do some of the things that you do today. Yeah, I'm from a military background. I had a wicked upbringing, like parents. My mum's my, my a fighter. She, she, she has multiple sclerosis. My, my dad's like, if I turn out half, half the man my dad is, then I've achieved some success in life. Um, and then I joined as a boy soldier, 16, naive, chip on my shoulder, massive attitude, but I did need it. I uh, wanted to follow in family footsteps. Uh, went through my career, operational tours. Um, oh, I got the opportunities to do some incredible things, uh, such such incredible things. Um, I left. Um, adjustment back to normal life, civilian street. Was, oh, it was brutal. Um, I was quite quite quickly into a spiral of events uh, that I had no control over. Drinking, it wasn't such an alcoholic problem by any means or, or a drug addiction, but it was a very easy choice. And it was a choice that I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't think about making. It was just 
bang, go for it. Um, and lots of little things happen. There was big spouts of depression, but some crazy lows. I went to the doctors, standard, very frustrated, medication, and, it, and the standard procedure is totally, um, it was diagnosed with PTSD, and I think with PTSD itself is that we think as PTSD, as general public, as it's just the army that get it, um, because of the raised awareness of it, um, and lots of other people get it as well, so I'll probably touch on later on. And it was always PTSD. It's a very easy thing to go to with um, with the British Army. You feel low, you feel depressed, bang, PTSD. That's it. Okay, cool, in the system. But I kept taking myself out of the system because I always, I always felt all well. Series of events happened. Lots, lots of things, we'll go into it a little bit later. And in, in 2017 um, was the bout of depression it, it it was the lowest um i attempted to take my life um i attempted suicide and i wanted to then that, that, that like, i wanted i didn't want to be here that that was my that i had no other option i couldn't handle it like it was it was like a virus i was admitted section um process through the system um when i come out and i i, I discharged myself it, it was worse. It was so much worse. It was like that was trauma again. Um, I felt it was a failure. But then I see I see things unfold with family and how it's affecting people. And there was still something there. There was some compassion there. There was there was an emotion there. I just didn't understand emotions. And I I, I attempted suicide again, but it was a cry for help. And the moment that I was saved, rescued, people's views and, and diversity has different reasons why it happened. For me, it was just being in a series of events. Um, and I was sectioned again very briefly. Um, and, the, and the hospital was like, we, we don't quite think this is right for you. And we, we think that you're starting to build a platform. And, and I went into the crisis team, crisis team built through. And then later on, uh, within months, Bang! I went. I went from like zero to pff, madness, <laughs> like complete madness. Um, and they looked at the record, start building a pattern. Uh, I'm gonna touch on later, like how they recognised that and a really important part of the diagnosis. And it was diagnosed with bipolar, hard diagnosis. I thought it was the answer. Went into this. I'm gonna save the world of mental health. I'm gonna cure stigma. I'm gonna do all these things no self-care, put myself into a dark place again, completely just just ruined all of the work that started to be done through Joyce's decision. And then now from there, it's just been learning, like learning the illness, understanding it, understanding how it affects me, figuring out coping mechanisms. And that's years, that's a couple of years, coming into my third year now, um, and it's not easy. I live alongside bipolar, like we work together against each other. <laughs> I look at it as an alter ego. I don't know. It's a different type of dean out there. So for me, it's like I want to change the way that we as men look at our own mental health, and I also want people to look at how they look at mental health and and things like the stigma. I look at stigma very differently, and I look at how we cope with it. So that's where I'm at now. And I come away from social media. I've come back on as a self care process. And, and here I am now, like I'm starting to collaborate with people, with stability, uh, I'm able to share an experience. For me, awareness is sharing an experience. We've got loads of platforms to do that now. 
awareness and mental health is I've come back from social media lockdown and I'm like, wow, powerful stuff. Platforms like what yourself are doing. But that's where I'm at now. There's some interesting comparisons there as well. So when you talk about your extreme nature, and this is something that I've got to know you about offline, you remind me of myself that we need like a challenge in life. So I know you do like the physical aspect. And, and unless we're, we're, yeah. we're focusing on this challenge, we almost feel redundant. But there was an important thing you said here, and this is about you wanted to change the world and you wanted to change how mental health was in this space, especially for men as well, having been through what you've been through. Now, when I have anxiety, and I love that analogy you use that you live alongside bipolar, I see anxiety as my shadow. It comes sometimes in the day and it kind of yeah. dis disappears in the night. But one of the things I recognize myself is that I have this innate desire to do what I do in terms of trying to make people not feel alone, trying to make people know there is a way out of it or there is a way to cope with it. But it's taxing, like extremely taxing. And we've spoke about this in terms of even setting up this podcast itself. There are some days where I'll be fully transparent here because I know you've done the same where I don't feel like talking. And it's horrible because my whole job or purpose is to help people and be there for people. But there's that element of a self-care thing, which I think is really, really important. And that's yeah. something I want to I discuss with you now, because I think what I've started to do now is reframe it in my head that if I don't want to talk to somebody, and post about mental health today or send videos and create content. That's not me doing a disservice to anyone suffering with it. That's me actually looking after myself so I can come back tomorrow yeah. stronger, if that makes yeah, sense. 100%. 100%. So what kind of stuff do you do in terms of like self-care for yourself now and having that awareness that I'm struggling, I need to look after myself, yeah? I, I like to strip everything down, basics. I'm a personal trainer, I'm going through like a journey of that, I always have been. And, and I always talk to people, like my, my thing is, there isn't no quick fix. And it's the way I teach people. And, it, and it's right at the front of my website. I will not give you a quick fix. Uh, and there's a lot out there. Diet myths, all of these things. And it's like, it is infuriating. You've got to work for it. If it is weight loss, you've got to graft. And then also it's basics. The second part I teach is back to basics. It's basic. We've lost that. Like in the morning, I'll check in with myself. And it's very natural now. And I speak about skills. Like checking in with yourself is a skill. It's aptitude. But behavior and attitude is hard to teach. It is tough. It comes within you. It's discipline. So for me, in the mornings, it's a self-checking. It's like, how do I feel? And, it, and it's not the case if you don't analyze it. It's like, do you know what? Like this morning, how do I feel? I'm laying there. I've got a beautiful view. I'm so grateful for what I've got and the people that have got me here. And I'm like, bang, natural alarm clock, birds. And it's so cliche. And people don't do it because it feels cliche. And it's like, damn, I've just woken up like this. I feel good. What am I going to do about it? It's kind of the, you know, why, why do I feel good? It's the middle one. Why? Okay. How? Why? And it's like, don't invest too much time on the triggers, but why do I feel, okay. So I recharged over the weekend. I slept massive amount of hours from a bit of a low. That's why. So you recognize that and take note of it, jot it down. The next part for me is, is like, what am I going to do about it? That's so important. And at the minute, mental health week is, is being kind, kindness, right? So for me, it's like, what can I do? I can utilize my time and structure. I feel switched on today. I can get jobs done. I can get tasks done. I have a morning routine, but I'll talk about morning routine is bang. I learned it in the army. We adopt it. It's huge for the mental health. What we're doing, I'm going to utilize my time. Right? I'm not manic. I'm not hyper. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. It's like, right, I can structure my project. I can put two hours towards this. I can put an hour towards this. I can clean one room. I can wipe one skirting board. I can get to the end of the day and go, right, that worked. 
And that's kind of my key part of, of how I kind of start my day. It's day by day. Mental health is day by day. If you do live with anxiety, it's stuff that's coming ahead. Immediate is fear. So understand emotions. Like you can have that long term fear, or you can have that bang, unexpected, like someone's popped out. Wow, what's going on? So it's understanding it and, and working with it and figuring out what I can control and what I can't control. And that, that's kind of my core. My, my, that's where I build. And it's so simple. Well, it's funny because I was speaking to the wife the other day. We do a lot of personal development. We read a lot of books. And I'm always trying to understand why people do what they do and also understand myself as well. And I think the more self-aware you are and the more you trial these habits, these disciplines in your day, you start to understand that it really is the simple stuff. And I suppose it becomes simple because once you break it down and strip it back and you implement it, you're like, just being happy by looking outside and seeing the birds singing in the sun, that will make you smile instantly. That's gratitude, boom, in an instant. But like you said, sometimes we almost think it has to be difficult or it's cliche or we'll stay away from it. And we're looking for these magic bullets that people are offering. But a lot of the work can just be done within yourself. So you mentioned there you've had a morning routine. I'm really interested because obviously you got this from the army as well. And you're saying it, it, it can help with the mental health. Would you feel listen about that? Yeah, right. So so like I've adopted it over time. And again, it's like it's skills. You won't get it right. And there's days I won't do it. But there's no pressure. Tough. It's done. It's been. It's gone. Like I, It's done. Like that's it. Like you didn't do it. You've got a lot more mornings to do it. So again, it goes back to that attitude, behavior, be kind to yourself. I wake up in the morning now and, and if I'm low, I don't quite keep to it. I try, but this week I've been very good with it. So I wake up in the morning, I wake up nice and early, quarter to five this morning. And as I, as I start my day off, it's kind of so simple. It, 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 I literally, I lay there for five, 10 minutes. I wake up naturally. There's none of this like, get out of bed, do burpees <laughs> yeah. and press up. All right, cool. And I'll look there and that, that, I'll do that self-check-in. And then if I'm feeling off, I'll then check myself in with other. I'll pop someone close by to me. I've got a very good support network now because I use it. I'll pop them a message. So that's my first part. I'll get up and I'll make my bed, right? Make it. Now, you can tell where I am in episodes by going to my bedroom and seeing how well <laughs> my bed's made, all right? <laughs> Simple as that. If I took a picture of it, it would say. And then the, the biggest one for me is, is my mobile phone. And we all get, so, so mobile phones, right, this is a drug to me. It's a dopamine hit. So in the mornings, we look for a dopamine hit. And that's why social media was originally made. Like everyone sort of like, oh, it's to connect people. We can call each other. It was to keep people hooked over and over again. So I don't touch this for two hours, long time, really hard. All right, but it ain't going anywhere. And look for gratification. So I don't look for dopamine. I look for gratification. And again, it's cliche. And you feel a little bit silly. It's like, why am I doing this? Is it spiritual? No, it's not spiritual. It's recognizing. It's a step to happiness. All right. And when you feel low, it's like, do you know what? I've woke up in a good place. I don't feel low, but I've woke up in a good place. And then what I do is I've started to build a morning routine of mobility because it's something I'm slightly weaker at and it's something I want to teach more. You can do a workout, I might train, might go for a run, might go and do a session, but that'll be the next thing. And it'll have music on. I'll go and have a coffee, I'll go and have a tea, and then I will then take my medication then, and then I will do a part of work because this is very hard to stay away from and it interferes with life. So I get a lot of work done. And then at the end of that, I visualize my day. So I don't sit there going through every step. But I'm like, well, I've got this. I've got that. 
if I don't feel low, I don't have to do that. If I feel good, I'll do that. I can train here, something to look forward to. And then what I'll do is I'll quickly think back to what I've done. I've achieved so much then, but people won't recognize it. They won't, they won't say, do you know what? You've done well there. You've done well. Like I've achieved that long list of things all within an hour, two hours, half hour, whatever it is. And then I'll just go to my next part of my day. And like I said, I don't, it doesn't happen every day. Yeah. Like I'm not perfect. I might walk out of my bed and just be like, fuck, oh, whatever. Oh yeah, chuck a shower in there as well. <laughs> cold, cold, a, cold one, a cold one. A cold It's got to be a cold shower. Trust me. The only reason why we don't have cold showers is because we 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 like to be comfortable in the morning. But having a cold shower has higher health benefits than a warm one. So we're actually choosing not to take a health benefit than over a health benefit because we always pick comfort. All right, and that, but that's that's another topic. I I love that. So there's a few things I want to pick out there. So you can see I was writing notes again. The first bit. You said that you don't put pressure on yourself to do this every single day. Yes, you understand the benefits of it, but you're not overwhelming yourself or beating yourself up with that pressure that if you miss a day, and that again comes back to kindness, which I think is probably the most important thing that we should all do. You also said you get up naturally. Now, in the last week, I've started getting up naturally. I used to be that person thinking, I have to get out of bed now, otherwise I'm lazy, I'm, I'm not disciplined yeah. enough. And what I've started doing is I have this 10 minutes now where I'm just letting my body come around. I don't touch my phone. And I think I think of all the excuses on why I'm not going to work out first thing in the morning. I let them all come in. And yeah. then what I say is, right, okay, how will you feel 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 6 o'clock in the same day if you don't get that done? Or if somebody comes into your inbox or somebody calls you and there's a bad circumstance, like how well prepared are you? Within those 10 minutes, I then go and brush my teeth. And then by the time I brush my teeth and had a glass of water, I'm like, let's do it. Let's just go and exercise. And it really, really works. The other thing was your main points were the support network, which I think is really, really important. And I don't mean just people on social media. I mean, having somebody you can call as a friend or yeah, just check in with man, massively yeah. important. And you said, you said something really important. You use it. A lot of people have support around it, but they never use it because they feel, yeah. can I say this to someone? So I think that was really, really an important point. You then go into gratitude. And I, lo I love this word. It's a step to happiness. And let's face it, every yeah. single one of us, we want happiness in life. We want as much happiness as we can, yeah. as little pain as we can. So if you think it's cliche and you're listening to this, why not just say, this is a step to my happiness? And then the last thing, which I think is actually the best point, is a self-auditing process where even just halfway through your day, you've looked back and you thought, look at all the things I've accomplished. Now, especially people like ourselves who are battling with our thoughts on a daily basis, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the things that we do do. No, and it's no, always no, the no. things that we don't do or the things that we have to do. So that's gold us there just in itself. And I, and I told you this when we spoke previously before this podcast episode, there's a lot of stuff you do now that seems basic to you, but I promise you people aren't doing it outside. No, no. And, he, and he, do you know what? Even, like, we, we, when we do these things like these podcasts, we collab, we interact, it's like we're always talking about mental illness, right? which is great. We don't necessarily look at it as mental health collectively but what i mean by that is that even if you don't think or you don't have mental illness still do it because it can happen you can control little variables it but it, it can happen mental illness and mental health they're very different and you can find yourself in situations throughout the day and again, check yourself in or, or find a routine from it. And it's, it's so, so important to, even if you don't think you've got mental illness, still look after your mental health. A lot of us look after our physical health. 
All right, we prioritize our physical health, how, our, how we look, abs, muscles. But we don't prioritize this. Absolutely. You've got to fuel your mind. Yeah, I'm 100% agreeing. And when you follow Dean after this episode, you're definitely going to see he looks after his physical health because you're in yeah. incre- <laughs> incredible shape. But what I'm more actually happy for you, knowing you as a person, is that now you're putting that same emphasis on your mind as well because I believe your mental health is, is more important than the size of your biceps or your abs, for example. So I absolutely love that. Yeah. I want to ask you something then that you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, which was the diagnosis of bipolar and the symptoms that somebody was able to recognize. What symptoms were recognizable by this diagnosis that maybe somebody listening now may be suffering the same as you and they can get early intervention? I think for me, it wasn't, I, I didn't, re- I wasn't the one that recognized first. Everybody else takes the brunt of it. I've got a very close, close, close friend who's like the, the vital core part of, of support network. And we met ages ago and she, she thought it was something wrong. <laughs> She thought there was something wrong with me when I used to train her, and that was years ago. So I think that's part of it. And then for me, it was the depression. I knew something was wrong. Like I remember in this exact house, I, think I sat down in the kitchen, and that was like, this was like, this ain't right. Like, what's wrong? And that was kind of the thing. Like, I've got, I had all these things, and I didn't really have any money then, but money's a reward. All right. It's not, doesn't inspire nobody. Yeah but it is a stress. Like I had a child, I had a support network, but I wasn't happy. I still get that now. It's part of bipolar. Like I, I'm got, I've got a lot of good things, but I wasn't happy. Couldn't work it out. I got all these things. Like I didn't want to be with my daughter at one point. Those were kind of the triggers. The, the manic side, I didn't really know it was manic. So uh, for me, it was the depression. I didn't know. I thought bipolar for me is an identity crisis. Even now, yeah. I, I struggle with who's me. It's just how it is. And I do hate bipolar sometimes. But yeah, I think the depressive was the side. Like, that was the first triggers. That was the first recognizable thing. And it took a long time. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit. You're saying there's an identity crisis almost. And that's kind of my understanding of bipolar, where you're one person one minute, yeah. and then you're very extreme. It's almost like two ends of the spectrum. For yourself, when you're at your best self, who are you? Who would you consider yourself to be? Mate, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. Do you know what? I still don't. It's a, dis- it's a discovery. I've, I've figured out my purpose. Uh, maybe my purpose mm-hmm. is, is me. I don't know. I'm starting to f- figure out my fulfillment a little bit. I don't know. What's your I'm purpose? I'm really honest. My purpose in life is to get so cliche. It's to make my experience relatable to one individual. That's, that's, that's my purpose, right? I talk about bipolar as a gift. Like I help people daily and I'm going through a slight transition and change in my personal uh, training career. And that's my fulfillment. Like it's not like I want to get more into my strength and conditioning. I want to, I want to study more. I get excited by by it now. And and that's my fulfillment. That's what makes me happy. But my purpose would be that, definitely. It takes a long time. Some people look too hard. They don't find it. Some people find it really quickly. I mean, people talk about it as their why, you know, in the business world. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, 
it's taken a series of events to find that. I word it differently yeah. quite each time. Maybe some people listen to other podcasts and be like, well, it's a bit different than what you said last time, but the, 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 the concept is still the same. I, I like that. And I think in some aspects, it's our adversity that's allowed us to find our passion. So mine's very similar to yourself with the Find Your Voice podcast. When I started this, it was one person to be inspired by the episode. I want one person who listens to a story here and thinks, do you know what? I now have the capability of changing my life from what I've heard. Or somebody has experienced something yeah. like me. And if they can get through it, then why can't I get through it? That's kind of my mentality in the gym. I know it's definitely your mentality that, well, if they can do that, I can do exactly the same. So it's strange that it's actually the things that we live with, the bipolar and the anxiety that have since brought that passion out of us. So I sometimes think when I look yeah. at people and I can see through a lot of people who they're so insecure, all they have is money, for example, and they're talking about money. I'm like, you haven't found your purpose. And although I might not be earning the same amount of money, for example, I found my purpose. It is that message from a random stranger saying, yeah. what I just listened to there has kept me going for another day. For me, there is no better impact than that. And I see you doing that, which is why I share a lot of your stuff. I mean, if you look at my Instagram, yeah. I don't share a lot of people's stuff throughout my episodes. You know, I've had over 100 guests. But if something hits me and resonates with me, boom, I'm, I feel like, okay, that's yeah, just, that's just yeah. helped me. Hopefully it'll help somebody else. So I think we're lucky in that respect. But I also, yeah, totally. I'm fully transparent and I love your transparency that the days are hard. And I want to sit here and say, with all the stuff I'm learning in the last 17 months, I have days where I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I call it the funk and it's so difficult to get out of it. But all I want to do is obviously be kind to myself and let people know that that's normal. That's not you having a mental illness, for example. That's just part of life. Like it's motivation. It's just yeah, what gets you out right. of bed. It's not not all plain sailing. Absolutely. That with, adver with adversity every day of your life. Exactly, exactly. And it's just about reframing. So you've definitely dealt with a hell of a lot of adversity. And there's some of the stuff we haven't ever been able to touch on in this show. In this precise moment then, from being at rock bottom to saying where you wanted to die, and almost leave everything behind and feeling like you needed to because there was no other way out. Right now in this particular moment, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear is always going into that position again, like that position in life. That that's my biggest fear. And I've I've been in some I've been in some crazy, scary, scary situations. Yeah, my, my biggest fear is 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 going back to that because the first time I didn't have I, I couldn't control it. That's my fear that I don't say this so much because it's, it, it comes across negative. But the thing is, is if you hold negative thoughts in, like they're going to eat you away. And I, I said, I don't say as much no more, but I always felt at the time, like, and sometimes now when I feel low, I always felt that bipolar would be what, what kills me. And it, a lot of people are like, Fucking, don't be so you know negative. And it's like, well, I'm not being negative. It's it's how I feel at that time. Like if I feel low, I don't want to get into that mindset of feeling like bipolar would be what it kills me. Because I do have PTSD, and I'm, if I get a chance, I'll touch on that because there's an insight that I look at it different differently, and there is a lot of science around it. But it's very diverse. Again, I hopefully we'll touch on that because I do think it's really important. I was reading a book on my run this morning and yesterday, and it was about focus and traction and distractions and stuff in life and anyway he mentioned something in relation to motivation as, as humans in terms of why are some days we're motivated and other days we're not and there was like a four-phase process and the third phase of it was called rumination and effectively what he mm -hmm. means by rumination is when you overthink something for example people with insomnia 
they'll sit in bed and they'll, they'll get worried about not sleeping and then worried about the things they need to do tomorrow. And what happens is you play these negative thoughts over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. and absolutely. And the process of rumination is so bad. So you said something there, like obviously you're too scared to feel low. I would just encourage people, and I know, I know you second this sentiment because you've spoken about it on your post, is that it's all right to feel low because I think we should always explore yeah. our emotions. We should never try and be positive all the time because that's never going to happen. And emotions are actually good for us because they teach us so much. But it's that not falling into that rumination cycle, should we call it, where you're consistently seeing bad thoughts or you're consistently telling yourself bad thoughts. So I guess that kind of segues back to kindness again. Is there any sort of things that you do with that? Do you know, again, it's just stripping it back to basics with it. It's everything that everything that I've done now, and it's only it's actually only recently about this kind of basics. I just strip everything back, like I'll learn from it. So when when those kind of things happen, I know that that thought in my head is a negative thought. But this is how I now I've understood emotions. Fear prepares you for the future. So I keep trying to say that in my head. It's like, well, if I'm scared of that happening again, there's a way I can not stop it, but I can cope with it. And it's like, why is it doing that? It's preparing me for the future. Every single time that I go through that, it's preparing me for the future. That, and that's how I see it. That's one of my biggest coping mechanisms. But I've only just learned that. I've, I've only just learned that. It's, it's understanding what fear is. You can put yourself into a situation like, I mean, COVID-19 is is per, is perfect example. I talk about four steps to resilience and COVID-19 is perfect example, right? You, you're being prepared constantly for the future. And that's, that's one of my biggest things with it is just understanding that I love it. fear. I loved your explanation of that. So I do a similar thing with adversity. So when I'm going through something that I don't like, that makes me feel uncomfortable or, you know, shit hits the fan, yeah. as, as you call it, I always say, this is preparing me for a better me tomorrow. I'm going to learn something here. I'm going to be stronger from yeah. this experience. Um, okay, so two questions now. Sorry. So I want to touch on the PTSD because I think that's very, very important. Yeah. But just before we jump into that, four steps of resilience. Could you just very quickly help the listeners yeah. with that, please? Uh, I love this. The last time I spoke about this was on a workshop and I had a panic attack. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Let's not no, try no, that. I'm all right today. But yeah, that was I, was, I was in a bit of a low period. I had a panic attack. However. <laughs> So, if you're committed to not only enhancing your mental health, but also your physical well-being too, then you need to check out our new sponsors, Health Excel. Providing you the best superfood blends on the market in their non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and of course, organic formulas, they bring you superfoods like no others you have seen on the market. They also don't just stop there, as they provide you free consistent information to educate and empower you on your overall health and well-being journey. So don't just stop at the end of a Find Your Voice episode. Get yourself some XL blends and put the odds in your flavor. Once it goes live, there will also be a unique discount for anyone who comes from the Find Your Voice podcast as you guys are now part of my family and I only want to see you thrive even more. So check out the links in the description below and get notified as soon as they go live. Back to the episode. The uh, four steps of resilience. So the first one is, is shock. And I use two things. I'm not going to talk into it. One of them is you put yourself into it. And I talk about flat pack furniture as one of them. It's quite an interesting concept. We ain't got time for that. Then I talk about the uncertainty of shock. Then the next one is endure. You've got to endure hardship. Endure it. 
You just have to. It comes in different ways, shapes and forms. It's not always painful. It's not always physical. It's not always mental pain, but you've got to do it. And then it's adaption. One of the biggest parts, you've got to constantly, you've got to be very versatile with that. You, you find coping mechanisms. Use COVID-19 because it's relatable. And then it's thrive. It's like the most important part. You should always be in strive. You should always strive to thrive. And I'm trying to word that. Thrive in itself is not walking around buzzing, buzzing your head off and like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's utilizing what you've got. And it's, it's understandable. So if you look at it in a survival situation, is you go through all those things, shock, bang, I'm stuck on a desert island. Unlikely it's going to happen. To, to, to most people listening then you go through and jaw god you know i've got to realize that i ain't got clothes i've got to find what all of these things like wow these things at night these sounds all of these and then you go into adaption you make fire you, you you you're around your environment and then thriving is utilizing it you you've got structure you go fishing you go you go and get your food you keep the fire burning that's thriving and that's what i talk about people and that's my understanding of resilience that i've taken from books and i've taken from you know we, we, we've got so much content at the palm of our hands and that's where I've kind of got it for and built it and tried to simplify it and again, make it basic. I love it. I love that basic element. And I always try and do basic stuff myself. So some of my best posts, for example, on social media are stuff that I'm thinking that took me like two minutes to write because it was so basic. Whereas I'm spending 13, 14 hours making a video and I get like three people watching it. And I'm thinking I should have just oh, done the yeah. basic stuff. But again, it's that thing that people are always looking for something a little bit more complicated. But if we just strip it back, oh, yeah. save ourselves the overwhelm, yeah. it'll be so much easier. So moving backwards then to the PTSD, because I think this is an important topic and it's something that I do want to discuss on this episode. Could you give us your perspective mm. on that, please? Yeah, this this is a new perspective. I try and uh, I watched a documentary about two veterans. Uh, it's, it's so powerful, man, when they go on a walk to venture. But anyway, I'm no scientist. I'm no psychologist, I'm no psychiatrist, I'm no doctor. So I've got to make that clear. However, people look at PTSD as watching a road traffic accident, watching someone die, uh, seeing some crazy stuff out in Afghanistan, um, being shot. Oh, God, I remember the first time I got shot at, bloody hell. <laughs> like all of these things. And that, that's what people think. However, there's another side to it as well called moral. So it's moral PTSD. So actually what it is, is it's guilt, different emotions, and it's looking back going, do you know what? Man, what I did was bad. I saw all of these people. I saw people dead. I saw all of these things, and it, that's your moral. And that's, that's PTSD as well. And the thing is what I'm starting to realise about, and I'm starting to look into it in bits and pieces, is that people treat, doctors treat PTSD with shock. Like, you've been in shock, you've been in trauma. And it's very different to how you treat someone with moral, like with moral traumatic stress disorder. However, that now for me, I've started to realize thinking, okay, I might have an element of it, the shock side by any means, but actually I do have a moral, uh, the moral side of it, 100%. And there is tight, like, why, why do I keep replaying things that I've seen? Well, it's actually. I don't, I didn't quite, I can't help but not agreeing with some of the things I saw and did. Like, I'm a human being. At the time, ruthless. But that's engraved. That's survival. So that's kind of how I'm starting to now look at it and, and, and understand it more. And it's there and it's, it's starting to develop. And then for me, my biggest trauma was coming out the army. I didn't watch anybody die. I didn't see any people losing 
sadly losing limbs and so on, it was the shock of being institutionalised, told what to do, what to say, where to be, what to wear, every single evening, first thing for the morning. The civilian street, I take my hat off to civilians. I've got so much respect. Civilians look at the army as, oh my God, it must be so hard. Yeah, it is tough. It's physically tough. It's mentally tough. Totally. But out here, <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> hard. <laughs> So yeah, that's how I look at it, the moral side of it and the trauma side of it. Like it's that's how I'm looking at it, and there's a lot of stuff coming to light about it. That's a very interesting perspective. And as you're saying that, I'm instantly nodding because I think this will start to change. And I think it won't just be every time you leave the army, it's PTSD. Because that's what I always thought. If you've left the army or you've seen something horrific, the shock factor, it's PTSD. So I welcome any new studies. I'm always I'm one of those people I wanna be better every day. So if I've been preaching something for the best part of 10 years and somebody says that's completely wrong, I'm happy to be proved wrong because I think the most important message for yourself and myself is we give the listeners and people out there the best possible yeah. resources and ways to obviously become better people. 100%. No, definitely. There, there's some men and there's some women out there in the armed forces, like stuff that I couldn't imagine. I, I couldn't imagine, like the footsteps I've walked in. And I'm not just talking about modern history. I'm talking like conflict <laughs> goes back years and years, decades. There's some people dealing with some serious trauma, like serious trauma and crazy. And then let's not keep talking about the British Army, like people, <laughs> civilians, but people not, not in the armed forces. Oh, man. You can't put yourself in that position, but there's people out there that have gone through what you would classify as hell yeah like hell yeah. yeah absolutely it's one of my actual gratitude practices that i try and do most days is when i get the pleasure of speaking to somebody like yourself or one of my guests i sometimes sit there and i think my god this person is so courageous or has so much more strength than i can comprehend like i see myself as a resilient person i've been through certain mm. parts of life but when I hear some of these people's stories, like my heart just like melts. And I know even your own story, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. There is still a lot to it that obviously we can't digest in this one episode nice. that, that you've been through as well. So I have full admiration. And it's like that quote where you say you should never judge somebody until you've walked in their shoes. I live by that now. I mean, I speak to someone, I could see you in the road or I could see you in the gym and just think, yeah, that guy loves to work out. But you don't, you don't peel the onion layers back and really look into that guy's had a hard life so i love that i love like perspective and everything on that but just conscious of the show because you're going to get me rambling all day we're going to have to just segue ever so slightly mate so i want to put you through what i call the fun part of the show so this isn't going to be us thinking about depressive or mental health sort of stuff this is about getting to know you so i want the listeners to get to know some of the things that you enjoy and just you as a person so for the next 60 seconds, I've got some questions on my phone here. And I just want one word answers or one sentence only, mate. You ready? Yeah. What is your favorite hobby? I trained. <laughs> the biggest mistake you made last year? In fact, actually, the way I responded to a client once. Your favorite motivational speaker? I, I like Simon Sinek, but he's not a motivational speaker as such. If you had an extra hour a day, how would you spend it? With my daughter. I love that. The best lesson anyone has ever taught you? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if you could get the listeners to do one thing at the end of this episode, what would it be? Self-checking. If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would that be? It would be the way with men, it's the way that we look at our mental health. Okay. It has to be. What is your favourite book? Oh man, I buy books when I'm hyper. Um, at the minute, it would be 
Simon Sinek's uh, Finding Your Why. Brilliant book. The ability to read minds or predict the future. Read minds. I don't want to know what's coming. <laughs> Who is your biggest role model? Probably being my parents. Although that, I man. don't tell them. Love that. Hopefully they listen to this. What would you like to be remembered for? The ability to be able to talk. And finally, mate, what song best describes your life? UK Apache original now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, that's fine. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay, that does bring us to the end of the fun part of the show. So just two more questions, if I may. So the next one is about reflection. So you've obviously been through a lot and you've learned a lot and you've self-taught yourself in terms of resilience and just self-help mechanisms. Knowing everything that you know now with all of your knowledge and all of your wisdom, if you could go back to a younger Dean who was maybe a bit more uncertain and whisper something in his ears, what would you say? You've, all, you've always got a choice, always. That, that would be 100% it. I'd, I'd be like, you always have a choice. Yeah. Always. You've always got a choice. It may not be the one you want to necessarily do, but you have always got a choice. Yeah, very powerful. And then finally, then the last question I ask every single one of my guests is, if there's a book and in 150 years time, science fails to save us and only this book exists and this book is about you, it's about your life, it's about all of the amazing things that you've achieved and all of the amazing people that you've managed to help along the way. Firstly, what would the title of the book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back Tell us about you. My only regret in life was not talking. That'd probably be the title thereabouts. Um, in summary, it'll be it'd be a shared experience. It'd be it'd be a series of events that teaches you skills, taught me skills that I can teach you, and and be able to to adapt to them and and change your behaviour, your attitude. Ultimately, as much as it kind of coincides to, and I'm guilty of this, I'm too hard on myself. It would be what we're talking about mental health weeks. It'd be being being kind to yourself. It's so it yeah. It's a topic minute, and a lot of people look at it as cliche, like, but it would be. It'd kind of be be the bottom thing because I'm still learning to do that. Yeah, as we all are. That's a, that's a great answer, mate. And just before I close the show and give the audience a chance to obviously connect with you because like I said earlier I'm an advocate for your content I'm an advocate for everything that you're trying to do in the world as well I think my story kind of has synergy with what you're trying to do as well so I'm always fully supportive of that is there any last thoughts that you want to leave anyone listening to this episode with yeah I think like don't be your biggest bully coming into this kind of the the relation to the kindness find out what works for you understand that mental health mental illness is diverse You've got to be patient. You've unfortunately got to take the hardship, but ultimately you need to understand where you are at that right time. Start to learn where you are at the right time. Is it shock? Are you in shock with what's going on? Are you going through endure? You know, are you adapting? Are, are you are you thriving? And understand where you're at and the emotions that are linked to it because that will later on come back and it will help you. And I promise it will help you. And then last last but not least for it is that we always talk about stigma, current stigma and, and, and the stigma around men's and mental health and and you should talk and, and we should talk more. And, and I totally get that. However, again, a topic, but stigma, we've created our own stigma inside here. In my opinion, it's not around us. You don't walk down the street and there ain't a guy saying, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you're fucking, you're this, you're this, you're weak. Now, I've not had it. I've had the opposite. 
I've had people going, geez, mate, you're strong, like you're you're this, you're that. Like, oh, you know, I've seen you do this, I've seen you fight, I've seen you box, I've seen you bodybuild, like you're like, wow. Like we're all resilient. If you're here right now, you're a resilient person, yeah. trust me. We control the stigma in our head. We've created it personally. Uh, and that's what I think. It's not it's not around us. It, it's, it's inside here. And the only way that we will cure stigma for me, again personally, is understanding why we have put that stigma into our own heads. I love that, mate. That answer is gold just in itself because as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I just, I resonate so much more with that because that person that we're thinking across the road who's going to maybe judge us in the wrong way is actually probably more compassionate than you could ever imagine. For example, just us two now, complete strangers on a mission now to try and support each other moving forward. And just very quickly, I'll add to this because I've said it on a previous podcast is, I created my own stigma in my head that my voice wouldn't matter. And that if I started a podcast, because of my accent being from the black country and then Wolverhampton accent, people are going to be like, I don't understand the word he's saying. But actually, it's the message and the sincerity of not just my words, but the people that I get on, on the show that's only ever been praised. And I've not heard anyone actually comment on my accent as an example. And it's funny because we have to look at, like you just said there, why we are thinking or creating these stigmas. And mine was actually from university, somebody from London saying, you guys speak really, really quickly. And that one thing literally stuck in my head. It almost kind of disabled me from starting my podcast. I would have probably started my podcast three years earlier. And I'm proud of myself for overcoming that. And I think for anyone, whether it is your accent or the way you feel about yourself or your body or your thoughts or anything, do what you just said there. Because I think that's so powerful to try and understand why we put those stigmas in our head. We recognise it's probably just in our own heads. I think that's gold, just mate. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And what is the best place then that people can reach out to you and get more words of wisdom from yourself on your good days, of course? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, predominantly like they're separate. Instagram's mental health and training and, and performance. So, yeah, new uh, new element conditioning. Like, I'm I'm happy to talk to people. I'm not a doctor. I won't give advice because I'm not in a position to. However, I will share experiences and what worked for me. I think it's very different. It sounds really horrible, but don't be alarmed if I don't engage with you too much because it's part of self-care and I've had to learn that. I might not be able to answer a question and so on. And I can't promise, I can't promise that I'll always be able to answer your question or even talk to you. That's self-care. Um, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before you can help others. And I've just learned that. And I'm learning that from people close by to me. I've got a really strong support network. Someone really, like I spoke about earlier, like they kept telling me, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. They've watched me dive down and I'm slowly able to do it. But yeah, new element conditioning. If it's training, talk through training. Now, I'll give advice all day long about that. I'm able to, I'm qualified to. My Facebook page um, and uh, not, not my personal Facebook. That's mine. That's my safe place. That's for my family. That's for my friends isn't for for people that i don't know i love that mate and again i'm on the same journey as you going through find your voice and speaking to people you have to have those what we would normally consider selfish elements of yourself where you're like this is actually me and this is my family time or this is my personal time in order to then be selfless so i don't think anyone looking at you not responding would ever see you as a selfish person because your whole purpose and everything you do on a daily basis is to try and help and impact people so for that i thank you it's been a pleasure second time around like i said to you before i have a lot of time for you for the work that you're doing i wish you have much much better days obviously moving forward i know that every day is a battle as it is for every single person probably listening to this as well and thank you obviously for the time today and obviously for everyone else at home thank you so much for listening thanks very much mate 
And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.